Welcome to another episode of RPG Hour. Today we are discussing the Ascendancy Kickstarter uh, with the creator Ruby. I am your host, Mr. RPG Hour. My pronouns are he, him, or they, them. I'm Mrs. RPG Hour. My pronouns are she, her. And we are joined by Ruby. Hi, I'm Ruby. I am the head developer and creator of Ascendancy. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. So as I understand it, Ascendancy is a cyberpunk hack of the Spire RPG. Um, mm. And it's focused in the city of Mooncore, uh, which I think also has a fun little caveat from what I heard you say on... Um, uh, roll, oh my goodness, I wanted to say roll up, but it's roll out. Roll out. Um, yes. I don't. I, I do that all the time when I'm talking about other shows. I'm like, this and people like who? <laughs> um, but roll out, okay. you said that the upper class has been overthrown and the characters are trying yes. to fit, figure out how to fit into the world. Um, so my biggest question on that is uh, where did the idea for Mooncore come from? Yeah, so... Um, to get a little deep into the weeds, um, a lot of, uh, this sounds like a tangent, but I promise it'll make sense. Uh, a lot of my creative process is kind of a mess and it ends up like being tied into other stuff. So it's really hard for me to explain one idea without explaining like five others. Um, so Ascendancy started, uh, back in like 2014, I started to write a uh, story called Skyline. And I intend to finish that story eventually. Uh, <laughs> but I had uh, an idea of setting a story a um, hundred years after Skyline ended, set in a uh, dystopia ruled by the superpowered people who took over in the end. Because I really I went for a bad ending. I, I was bad at writing back then. Um, so Ascendancy was initially pitched as like you know, what if these bad people with superpowers took over the world? And then as I started to write, I was like, well, I think I'm more interested in the story of what happens after the revolution succeeds. So I started writing that and I found that it was like a lot, it's a lot more fun to write about a world trying to reconstruct itself than a world that's actively on fire. It's two different forms of actively on fire, but like it's 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 different, and I really like I really like writing about you know uh, things are trying to get better. Uh, yeah, so I I initially concepted Ascendancy as a sequel to that series, and um, like over it it just kind of morphed over time to being a story about what happens like after the revolution succeeds and overthrows these this asshole ruling class um, rather than a story about actually overthrowing it. And that's, that's kind of why the idea stuck with me so long instead of, like, you know, me continuing to work on this other thing or throwing away Ascendancy. I said, okay, I want to make Ascendancy its, its own project because I'm really interested in, like, what happens in this world after... A revolution succeeds and when there's no more of this like oppressive ruling class what what do you what happens and I, that was a story i'm really interested in telling and so i wanted to you know i i that that's the one i wanted to write the game about i mean it makes a lot of sense just narratively speaking um because it if you're writing a game say, based on the actual revolution itself, you kind of pigeonhole your players as being one side or the other. And this, you can be from all kinds of different walks of life trying to just put things in some semblance of sense, which is interesting. Yeah, um, and it's specifically like, a lot of ascendancy is, 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 <laughs> This sounds really bad to say, but a lot of Ascendancy was kind of an accident. <laughs> Happy accident. Like, yeah, pretty much everything that people are like, oh, this is great, was, 
was basically a complete accident that I didn't intend to make. Um, so what I ended up stumbling on um, is the the players the players in Ascendancy play as Ascended, uh, a type of they're like psychic cyborgs created by the uplift, the shitty over the shitty uh, ruling class that was overthrown. Um, they were the players play as the Ascended, who were like created by the uplift to be like a perfect weapon that they could control and whatever. But now that the uplift are gone, you don't have to listen to them anymore. So it's, um, I ended up like just by being interested in a story of the aftermath of a revolution, ended up landing on a story about like identity of, you know, now that this shitty thing is gone, what do you do? Yeah. Like, where and do you I go think, from I think that, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, like, where do you go from there as a, as an entity? Like, how do you proceed? Yeah, exactly. Where where does this world go? Uh, and that that's yeah, that's very much the story. I was like, inter- uh, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't I didn't know that I had an identi- a story about identity for a really long time. But like, I you know figured it out and leaned in because I you know I think that a lot of a lot of creation is kind of like oh. I didn't mean to do that, but now that I do know, did mean to do that. I don't know if anyone else does that. That's just how I make stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else to say. Um... <laughs> so, um, it sounds like there's actually kind of a pretty intricate world that you've kind of created for this game, but, um, it seems like for the rollout podcast, you said that it, it was actually pretty light on the lore. Um, is this something you're going to be like adding in later to like supplements, or is it trying? Were you trying to kind of keep it as open as possible to see where um, different game groups took it? Yeah. So that's a, that's an interesting question, um, and I think it's kind of rooted in the metaphor that Ascendancy ended up telling. Because to me, the uplift, it doesn't fucking matter. Am I allowed to swear? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, thank God. Uh, it, it, to me, it doesn't fucking matter what the uplift are. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I wrote it, and I have no idea who they are, what they were like, where <laughs> they came from. It's, that's not what the story is about. It's, it is, in essence, about recovering from the uplift. It's not about, like, exploring their history or whatever. I could care less about that. And in a way, Ascendancy ended up becoming a metaphor for, like, recovering from a trauma that leaves you with no idea of who you are anymore. Like, for me, when I discovered I was trans, I didn't know who I was anymore. I had no idea, like what my identity was, who I was, what I was meant to do. And from later experience, I would learn that a lot of trauma is like that. And so to me, the uplift are a metaphor for that trauma. It doesn't, it, it, this isn't a story about the trauma. This is a story about reconstructing yourself afterwards. So uh, no, I, I, I definitely won't go back and explore them. I. I couldn't be less interested in exploring the uplift. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I actually changed their name uh, early in development. They were called something different, and I changed their name to make it less clear where they were from, so that people wouldn't ask. <laughs> and I, personally speaking, I kind of like that they have such a positive-sounding name, because one of the things that gets me about a lot of media, um, especially in the punk side of things. You go with these corporations that's like Evil Incorporated, or you know, it's very <laughs> straightforward sometimes. It's and you're like, that's not know. that's not how it really is, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, look, and- you, you've got this company down the street called Happy Time, and they're horrible people. They pay their people, you know, less than half of, you know. I mean, to me, punk yeah. is all about that str- part of that struggle. And I liked that it was like yeah. uplift, and I'm like, oh, cool, they're a good organization. They're horrible people, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I they're, love. They're them. the worst. Um, in in some way, the uplift. Um, so so to be fair to cyberpunk corporations, uh, in the in the state where I live, 
the local energy company is called Dominion Energy. <laughs> which is wild to me. Why would you name your company something that sounds like a JRPG villain? Why would you do that? Th- think about it. Okay. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that aside, um, the uplift... The Uplift's name was, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, it was inspired very much by this idea of, like, them being colonialist assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Of this, like, they're such pretentious people. They're, They're so pretentious that they firmly believe that whatever they're touching, they're, they're uplifting. They're making everything better. They're... They're making the world better. They, you know, they don't see themselves as colonialist buttheads, but they are. <laughs> like that, it, it was very much this, like, yeah, like the corp- evil corporations don't think that they're, don't name themselves Dominion Energy, except for when they do. What is this state? <laughs> Why am I still here? But yeah, like that's yeah, that's very much. Um, like what Uplift were uh, inspired by. Uh, originally, their name was uh, Lunarians, which I was like, that that was a former, that was from Skyline, and I was just like, I can't do that. I can't. People will go, they're from the moon, and lean into that, and I needed to distance from that from, like, the story that the game was telling. Yeah, that makes sense, because it, it kind of, that's sort of a high fantasy type of name for a, a group of people so it kind of feels like almost like um, calling them high elves or something like it's like it feels very on the nose that they have a huge superiority complex <laughs> yeah it does it does um yeah like like it it, it it very much is like I didn't realize how much it would improve the game to making them to make them this like wild, uh, this wild weird thing, uh, and it ended up inspiring a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I haven't put it in the version that's live right now. I will when I put out the next version, um, which I think will be like at the end of the Kickstarter, uh, or like sometime during it. No, at the end of it, yeah. Um, where my friend, we were hanging out together at like a at a theme park, and she said, "By the way, I know this isn't canon, but I had an I but I like kept reading it over, and I kept thinking like how cool it would be if if the uplift as a show of superiority literally lifted a chunk of ground out of the earth and like lived on this floating island." And I just looked at her, blinked, and said, well, it's canon now. (laughs) That's awesome, because it's totally what I was picturing when I was thinking of, like, your description of them. Like, they would totally do something like that. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's far and away, that change became absolutely wild. I think, no, I think it is in the current version, because I had people be like, oh my god, you named a location Coronation the Earth's Crown. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Names and tabletop are so much fun. Like, naming stuff is... Naming stuff's just great, and there's so much power to, like, a good, solid name for a group. And, like... that that That's the thing about tabletop, is it's a lot of... A lot of careful naming and a lot of careful wording. So, like, I... I, I was gonna say I spent a lot of time thinking about the uplift, but I, I really didn't. I, I like, you know, kind of just wrote it down on a piece of paper and then ended up being like, yeah, I actually like that more than I thought I did initially. But it, it ended, it ends up like, you know, bringing, bringing the whole experience to a better, better level, better, better pitch. I don't, there was a word that just slipped my mind the second I started to say it. (laughs) That happens (laughs) to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, so where did the idea of combining psychic abilities and like cyberpunk style things together come from? Because actually I wanted to ask you that anyway, because I freaking love it. That's such a cool concept yes. to me. Um, oh, 
so a lot of Ascendancy's inspiration is in media that was very distinctly not cyberpunk. <laughs> um, and when I was initially, God, there was like, God, there was like five different sources for this idea. Um, the the main one was uh, the the Kagodo project, the Kagero Kagodo project. Sorry, my Japanese is very rusty. Um, which is a like it's like a song novel anime manga series series that just like for some reason it just keeps going, um, where. Uh, it's about a group of kids who all have these, like, wild powers connected to their eyes. Um, like, can, let, like, you know, activate when they, like, make their eyes red. And it was really cool and really influential to me because their powers are, like, really unusual and really specific and really cool in a way that I really liked. And I wanted to, like, write something like that. So Skyline was very much my, like, first, oh, well, I'll just rip that off. Um, and... Over time, as the pe the people with those powers in Skyline became the uplift, and you know they they got morphed through storytelling and writing and rewriting and drafts into the uplift, I eventually figured like, okay, if the uplift have these powers and they are just the worst, what's the most like, what what would they do to people that they unethically experimented on? And my answer was, oh, well, they'd give them their superpowers and make them into a weapon. So, and that eventually morphed into, like, um, initially it was very less leaning on psychic, like, and psychic stuff specifically. Um, it was initially just, like, you have superpowers because you have a magic, you have a tech, weird technological box on your arm. Um, but it became more specifically about psychics uh, after I saw the movie Your Name, uh, and it became my favorite film of all time, um, and I ended up, like, going, okay, well, I like the idea of using dreams as a part of this story to, like, you know, represent character mental states and to, like, push development and all that. And so it just kind of became, like, instead of you have, you know, powers that I called psychic... I decided, like, it, if, if I'm leading into this, like, dreams in the narrative thing, I want to lean in really hard. So, like, they're tied to your mental state, and the dreams are tied to your powers, and, like, you as a person in a really, like, intimate way. And it just kind of, like, it, it slowly developed into, oh, yeah, they're psychic cyborgs, instead of just cyborgs that have psychic powers. Plus, it's just fun. It's just it's just cool. Like I I I just really like like wild, wild. Yeah, personally, I've always found it interesting when uh, science fiction or cyberpunk gets mixed in with something that's very not technological, um, like yes. psychic abilities and magic. And so when I saw you know psychic abilities and cyberpunk, I was the my brain immediately went to Shadowrun. And I was like, because that's magic in cyberpunk. And I'm like, but I was trying to think, I was like, I can't think of any other RPGs out there that like mix them. And I'm sure there are some, but my brain yeah. is just like, bloop. Like I, I was like, well, what about this one? No, that's just cyberpunk. What about this one? No, that's just sci-fi. <laughs> so I got to the point where I was like, man, I can't think of any other cyberpunk mixed with. So I think, I think it's kind of, um, it, it, it's a niche game and a niche market and a niche like subgenre yeah. that's going to, it, if it doesn't catch on, I'm I'm personally going to be upset because it just it's such a and, neat idea. Yeah, and I think it's very much like usually when there's psychic stuff, because like psychic powers in like sci-fi is relatively common, at least in like the spheres and like media that I like. Um, I, there was a playbook for it in um, a game that I'm completely blanking on. <laughs> wow, just completely forgot what game I was going to say. Uh, there's a few games that I've played that have, like, playbooks for you are a psychic. Uh, Friends at the Table had, like, a group of people who are psychics. Uh, like, a lot of, like, sci-fi media in particular does do, like, you know, 
these people are psychics and psychic powers as part of world building. A certain magical uh, index has psychics. Um, mm. But I, I specifically leaned in really hard to all of the players are, are psychics in this one. Uh, which is something that I don't really see very often. Usually it's like some people are, or like these, you know, one specific playbook is. And I was like, no, all of you are psychics. Let's have fun with it. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. I, yeah, I just, I just really like, like, psychic powers, you know? It's just, they're just fun. I think, like, like, <laughs> how do I, how do I put this, uh, like, the best I can. I really love that psychic powers in sci-fi is basically fantasies, like uh, the 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 equivalent of fantasy. Going, they're a wizard, except less common. It's it's just very much one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, I love that. It's the it's this it's the science version of magic. And I, I just love, I love leaning into that in some way. I, I think they're just fun. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because there's so many different types of psychic abilities that people don't mm. really think about sometimes, that that's a possibility. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, there's so many cool things you can do with psychics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and part of the reason I think I gravitated to psychics in particular, besides it just being like a cool flavoring that I eventually really liked um was that there's there's a level of abstraction to it like i'm there's a lot of fiction based around characters that have very specific powers and very specific strengths and weaknesses and very very like clear yes this is what they can and cannot do and with ascendancy i just wanted to be like what if i didn't do that though what if i just wrote a story where your powers are abstract your abilities are all over the place and it doesn't really matter and i feel like because psychic powers are like tied to your mind i think there's like more of a like there's more of a leeway where people are willing to accept wild like ass pull bullshit from psychic powers of like yeah suddenly this character is levitating a building uh then they are like you know if a mage who does fire magic suddenly levitates a building like it there's a lot less like expectation to stick to the core theme that this one specific character has and i really i really like that sort of like that abstraction that specific that non-specificity that like do whatever you want it, it's psychic powers. We're not going to question it. Who cares? That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I I very much I very much and I and I think that ended up working really well in the context of ascendancy being a game about identity and reconstructing yourself because like, you know, psychic powers they come from your mind and it's a game about finding your identity and like who you are and that that the idea of that tying into your powers is really interesting to me. So I'm really glad that, you know, it, it all ended up just fitting together. It was a bunch of like different disparate ideas that ended up just like feeding into each other and being so much better than one idea on its own. So with all the game systems out there to hack, why Spire? Why not another system or make your own system? So... I was kind of dreading this question because there's because there's two answers to that one. One that makes me sound like I know what I'm doing and the true answer. <laughs> and considering the fact that I already confessed that this basically was just Kagero Project fan fiction, I might as well lean into the fact I, I've stumbled into this narrative. Um, <laughs> uh, so Ascendancy, uh, as I, I started... I, I had scrapped my last project um, around the time that I, I'd scrapped my last project and then started working on Ascendancy. I started, like, putting together a pitch document and wondering what it would look like as a tabletop game 
because like it wasn't working out as like a standalone story so i was like well what if i adapted the world and setting and ideas into a tabletop rpg um and i was i wanted to make it like pvta but something about that didn't quite sit right with me um and then uh like as i was wondering what to do my friend sent me a message on discord and was like hey have you heard of this game called the spire and so i read through the spire and i was like wow i don't like the body horror but there's a lot here that's really cool and i started to like really like like really really love the spire and within a week i was like i'm going to hack this game i have to hack this game partially because i will be the first person to hack this this game game. (laughs) (laughs) but also like it like i i wish there was like a lot of like thought or personal like stakes or anything that i like put into that other than just it was out and i really liked it um but that that's why i chose to hack spire is it was out and i really liked it um but over time i slowly started to like as i worked with it and started to realize it and uh, like realize what it could do and what um and started to realize what sparked by resistance systems could really do. And I got to, I got to name it. So I was like immediately sold. I'm like, I get to name what a game that's a hack of resistance is called. Count me in. I'm in, I'm good. I'm in until for the long haul. (laughs) Um, I, I started to like really dig into what they could do. And I had this feeling that they were capable of something that I wasn't like, that I wasn't really fully grasping and that there was an element of ascendancy that I had created that I, like, didn't fully, like... Because if it's not clear enough, I end up accidentally creating something, realizing what I created, and then leading in really hard into into what I accidentally made. And with ascendancy, I... There was something that just didn't... That didn't, like... I didn't understand what I had made, and that didn't click in my mind. Um... And then uh, Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor released the uh, the Spire uh, toolkit, which is like the SRD for uh, Resistance games. And the first sentence of it is, or like one of the first sentences in it is, what can this game do? We don't know. Uh, but we know that it's really good at change. It, it's really good at writing, at making stories and games about things changing and that's when it that's really when it clicked for me like oh this is a game about like this is this is a system about change spire is about changing a city and ascendancy is about changing you and i i was like oh i get it lean in fully and i ended up like really falling in love with the structure in that way by going like oh yeah i get it like once I understood, I ended up just fully falling in love with it, and it just went from this like, oh yeah, I'll make you know I'll I'll make a hack based on a game that I like right now that I'm interested in right now, and ended up like really, really did. While I'm not about to release anything, I definitely can understand that feeling. I've got about four powered by the apocalypse games sitting like partially written. Um, and every single one of them is like a different piece of me. So, I mean, I yeah. could, I could definitely get yeah. what you're, where you're coming from. Uh, cause I mean, as soon as I played the first powered by the apocalypse game, I just kept reading more and reading more and reading more. And oh yeah, by the, absolutely. by the time that I got to my like 10th one of reading, I was like, yeah, no, I like the system. I like the little changes people do. I'm going to do my own. Um, so I've got four like sitting in the background and then, we signed up for an anime competition, so I'm hacking it in a different way to build a new type of system just for this uh, uh, competition. So, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> PBTA is great. Um, it, it's 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 very addictive. In like once you start to like really understand it, you go, oh yeah, okay. Um, with I've honestly I've tried to write a PBTA game like four or five times now but every time i sit down to write a pbta game i always end up making it 
a different system instead. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad that I've never, like, actually been like, oh, yes, I'm going to come. I, so, hmm, I'm trying to, I have thoughts, but I'm trying to put them into words. <laughs> As for what you said, I think that no one really does. Like, <laughs> like, no one goes into tabletop writing knowing how these parts fit together. Or, like, how, how to make a tabletop game. Once you really, like, it, it comes with, like, working on it. I, like, I didn't, you know, I worked a year on a Spire hack without realizing that it was a system about change. Like, it, it's very much one of those things where you have to, like, learn how, how each individual step creates an individual game in order to, like, properly, you know, you can't, there's there's no textbook for tabletop RPG development. There's no, like, you know, there's not a, a master class you can take. There, I don't, you can't go to Skillshare. Maybe you can. I haven't been on Skillshare. Um, I say that, like, but I'm like, I bet you Jonathan Andrews could write one. <laughs> he's our other co-host. <laughs> okay. He's also, he's also our blogger. Because the way he talks I... about mechanics and the way he talks about different things, I... That's how his brain works in a weird way, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet you could, but I bet it would be a lot of, like... Like, I firmly believe that, like, in order to make tabletop games, you have to, like, make a tabletop game. You don't... You know, you don't... I, 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 I didn't start off understanding systems or understanding, like you know, how different mechanics end up flavoring the experience. I I learned, and, like, honestly, this isn't my first game. My first game was a Magical Girl RPG that just... It was terrible! Because I didn't <laughs> understand any of what I understand now. It was so bad, y'all! Like, oh my gods! But, because I didn't, I didn't understand what made a game tick in the way that I do. I was just kind of emulating what other things did. And through that failure, I started to really go like, okay, I think I get I think I get this. I think I get how to make a playbook. I get how to make, you know, PBTA moves kinda. I still barely understand those. <laughs> as as proven, I haven't made a PBTA game yet and don't have plans <laughs> to in the future. <laughs> um I yeah, it's very much like this sort of you know this this learning process and like there's you know I, I i think i think it's possible to learn how to make games by reading games but like at the end you learn how to you learn how to break down games by making games and then you use what you learned by breaking down games in making games that makes sense it's more hands-on with a Deep learning curve. It seems like. <laughs> I well, I wouldn't say it just, steep. It depends on like where your basis is from. It's like if you're working at, I feel like if you're working on something that you're wanting to be as complex as like old school D and D or something like that, there's a yeah. pretty steep learning curve. But if yeah. you're doing something more simple, like um, or user friendly, I should say, not simple, as like something like Powered by the Apocalypse or. or things in that vein of playing, I, I think it'd probably be a little bit easier to, to figure it out. Yeah, and there's always a difficulty with, like, with figuring this out in that there's always a layer of abstraction between, um, like, the game that you read and the game that's being played. Like, it's... It's not quite like a like a you know a movie or something where you can watch a clip and be like, "Oh, okay, that's the kind of movie this is." If you that's a probably a bad example. 
Like, if you read a script, you can generally go like, okay, I get the kind of film that they're making. But if you read a tabletop game, you you may have no, absolutely no clue what that game is like. And that that's a lot, that's where a lot of this learning curve ends up coming from. And that, that layer of abstraction does end up, like, kind of making it a little frustrating at times to make a tabletop game. Because, like, what because it ends up making it backwards sometimes where a system will end up working really well on paper and in my head but when you actually sit down and play it you're like like no one understands it it doesn't slot into anything but then there's the opposite where like a system may look in like awful on paper and then you sit down to play it and and then everyone's like oh this is the best part of the game. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like, I, I'm very much of the mind that if you want to write RPGs, just fucking do it because like, it's fun. It's free. You can make some rad shit. Like Google docs is right there. You know, you can make some, just some rad stuff and it's a medium that's still developing. So if you have a voice that you want to add to the pool, like, go ahead and do it, you know? There's nothing... Like, you know, any anyone can just come along and go, oh, I'm going to make a mechanic that does X thing. And likelihood is that no one's done a mechanic that does X thing before. And you'll, you know, and you'll be, like, creating something rad and awesome. And it's so much fun to just create to like work in this field where people are pushing it and questioning everything and trying to like make brand new stuff. I love it. I love it so much. So with your Kickstarter, I let that question get away from me. <laughs> That's all right. I, I, I don't even remember what the original question was. I just started going off on creating tabletop games. But <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, so with doing a Kickstarter, what are you, what tiers are you most looking forward to? Um, is there like any that you created that you're just like, oh, if this one doesn't make it, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm done for like, there's, hmm, I'm trying to think cause I love, I love all of the stretch tiers so, 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 so much. Um, there's a lot that are really, really cool. Um, I, I, I don't know when this will go out. Um, but there, uh, so there's, uh, I did hire, I've got, uh, okay, hang on. Can I, I'm going to take a second to collect my thoughts so I can stop stammering. Cause this is, this is an embarrassment. Sure. Sure. Embarrassing wise. I'm pulling up the list because I don't have them memorized. Ramble though. I can sure ramble. Game stretch goals. Okay. There it is. Yes. So, um, as for stretch goals, we have some really, really, there's some really cool stuff. Oh my God. Um, so there's, there's a couple, there's two rounds of, um, like, hiring contractors to come work on the game. Um, and we ended up accidentally doing something that I don't know if I've ever seen a Kickstarter, uh, campaign do before, where, um, like, each, each creator gave me their pitch for, like, what they want to add to Mooncore, and I, you know, put it, and I wrote my own, like, fancy worded version of it and put it in the Kickstarter, um, but because I don't know their ideas as well as they do, um, like some folks were like, oh, can, I'll hang on. I, I've got notes. And, uh, they started to eventually write their own, uh, like blurbs for what they were pitching to add to ascendancy. So all of the, like, all of the, like, here's what they will be writing pitches are written by the person who will be writing it. And it's, it's wild and creative and bullshit, and there's some, like, really good stuff that they've written in here just for, like, two sentences. Um, aside from that, uh, one of the uh, contractors is going to be uh, Grant Howitt, the guy, uh, one of the people who originally worked on Spire. Um, I figured if I'm going to make a Spire hack, why not, you know, why not bring him in? He'd be really cool to have. He'd be really, he'd be really cool, and I'd love to like work alongside him and have his work on my game as like a little, you know, nod to nod to the past, nod to the game that I'm making. 
Um, and then, honestly, the one that I'm most excited about, not because, like, not to disparage the other writers, because they are, you know, they'll do incredible goddamn work, and, like, they'll just write absolutely amazing stuff, and I, I really, really am excited to see what they do. Um... One of the tiers is that I write to write and add two more playbooks to the game. And I I love 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 writing playbooks. It's my favorite thing in the in the world. I I will sit down and just write an entire playbook in one sitting if I can. I I love doing it and the chance to write two more playbooks for ascendancy just gets me all giddy. I'm getting excited. <laughs> Just because Ascendancy's playbooks are so much fun to write. They're so much fun to write. They're so much fun to concept. They're so much fun to create. I I really, I really hope that, I really hope that tier gets funded. <laughs> and, uh, just to reference uh, something that I saw that's something similar. I feel like kind of sort of that's what happened with Monster of the Week. Because most Powered by the Apocalypse, yeah. they have a few books. But then there's like... Mm. 12 in the main book for uh, Monster of the Week, I feel like somebody goes, I just love making these and I'm just going to keep doing it till somebody tells me no. Yeah. <laughs> like, Masks has, like, three expansions by now with, like, I think they've, like, more than doubled their amount of playbooks at this point, basically. Oh, yeah, and that's just the um, official, too. That's not even yeah. including the fan stuff. Like, it's... Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is Conduit, where if you don't like how the Nova works... All it does is replace um, the the burn mechanic with a more regular moves mechanic. Like, that's the only real difference of Conduit versus Nova. And I'm like, mm. you know somebody sat there and house-ruled this, like, the moment it came out and then went and published <laughs> it. I mean, like, that's... Oh, absolutely. No, totally. That's... I love... I love that stuff. Um, but yeah, like, I, I really love, honestly, like... I'm proud of every part of Ascendancy, but I'm I'm proud of the playbooks to a completely different level. Like, I think that they... There's very much a level where, like, they're playable and they're fun, but, um, like, they end up reading... Well, especially the, like, P-type and the M-type. Um, they end up reading almost as, like... like playbook as poetry not to like toot my own horn and sound too pretentious because that sounds a little <laughs> pretentious but like the 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 p type the prototype i'm gonna say that because that's better um the the prototype has an element of like i don't know how this playbook makes me feel something but when i read over it it just makes me like feel some sort of emotion even though i didn't think it would and i like i didn't have a core concept in mind for the prototype and it ends up and it ended up being this like leaning in really really hard to the identity ex exploration that makes ascendancy and the way that like people lean on each other and the way that we inform our own identities and that other people inform our identities and like it ended up like integrating with the game even though there's no obvious thematic core to the prototype i genuinely think it's the most solid playbook i've ever written <laughs> because of the way that it just ends up like like i it makes me feel something that i can't put into words i i very much like makoto shinkai's work and he, he's all based he's you know his work's very based around like making you feel something that you can't like voice or put into words and i you know sometimes sometimes i channel that really well and i think i did it with the prototype uh very well and i the other playbooks are fucking incredible too <laughs> like i i love them all i love all my children equally but the prototype the prototype has a special place in my heart and like for for reasons i can't really explain um yeah, I, again, I let that question get away from me, but, like, <laughs> I, I love the playbooks and the chance to write two new ones. Um, the, the two new ones that I have uh, in the stretch goals, since this will be out by the time that 
uh, the Kickstarter goes live, so I don't need to keep it a secret anymore. Woo! <laughs> um, one of them is the uh, the operator or the O type, which is like um, you are physically separated from the other party members like while they're going out and like doing the you know doing the fighting you stay back at base and are the like voice in their ear um that like and you're it's all about aiding your party from afar and like protecting the people that you love while you cannot be next to them um the the polls i have written down are uh rui from gotchaman crowds uh gotchaman crowds uh, Ina from Promare, because I saw the movie and I was like, oh, I gotta make that a playbook. Um, and the Doctor from Arknights, which is my current hyperfixation, so I had to have that as a pull. <laughs> I just started on Arknights, so yeah. <laughs> I like that game. I don't like the game's politics, but I like that game. Yes. Um, and then the other one, the other one was the, uh, is the Linked, or the L-Type, which, uh, where you basically, you have a psychic link with another person where you can, like, use it to draw on their powers and you can, and they can draw on your abilities. And, like, you're, you know, it, it, it's the partner playbook uh, about your bond to someone who's, like, really close to you and how, like, you interact with that person and how our powers bounce off each other. Um, uh, I pitched this very much as I have one playbook that's fun cyberpunk sci-fi like adventure and then one that's just really sad (laughs) (laughs) which is that's how i pitch like all my playbooks but that's that was that was what i wanted to accomplish with that um and i god i want to be able to write them i really do please fund my game so i can write those playbooks (laughs) y'all well i know that i'm going to be uh re-looking at our savings account uh as soon as this launches so um no i mean there's been a lot of interesting uh kickstarters for a while but in all honesty this has been one of the few that i've been really interested in as of late um so i was like i really hope that i they're not offended by me dropping into their dms and asking if they'll come on the show and i hope they'll say yes (laughs) no absolutely i'm I'm really, really anxious. So if people aren't like, hey, do you want to be on the show? I will not be on anyone's show. I cannot, like, I'm not going to reach out to people. I can't do it. I, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm really good at talking about my work once I get going, but I'm not good at being like, hi, do you want me to take some of your time to talk about what I've made? <laughs> like, that's, that, that's, not the, that's not the person I am, you know? I, I really like to... I really like to be asked, like, "Hey, do you want to come on the show?" Or like, ha- to have. I'm I'm glad to have this opportunity to that people reached out to me. I'm really glad. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, definitely would love to try and potentially have you back to maybe run it for us. Um. Oh uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, uh, if you. Well, maybe you can play in a one shot with us. That one I can that, do. That one I'd that. love to do. I will I'd not run it, though. <laughs> oh, come on. This would be perfect for you to run. You know you want to. <laughs> okay, but you guys actually have to listen to me when I talk. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, you know who I'm talking about, so... Or we could just, uh, we can pigeonhole Emmett into doing it. Oh, yeah, he hasn't run anything yet. He can do that. I volunteer Emmett as tribute. <laughs> oh, poor Emmett. One of our regulars, uh, we met him in an anime convention, and he's a six-foot-tall uh, puppy that um, has joined our show uh, as a fairly regular uh, person that also made our second season um, intro, so... Uh, we're, we're thankful to have him around, so, uh, but, uh, it, it's always funny cause, uh, no matter what we do, uh, or talk about, he's like, yeah, so, so, uh, am I going to be in this one too? Am I going to be doing this? And <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? We need bodies. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's actually been a lot of fun. Um, we yeah, will 
definitely probably bug you again in regards to uh, the game. Um, can't wait for that. Um, I, but I uh, definitely... Oppose, I will never oppose bugging me about this game. I, I <laughs> love it. And I I don't know if it's obvious by the way that I talk about it, but I just get excited when I... Uh, I, I love this game, and I love writing it, and I love making it. And I, I really... I can't wait for it to be out there and for people to see what I've really, you know, got. Well, I think there's no better note to leave on. So thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Remember, uh, you can go find Ascendancy, uh, Ascendancy on Kickstarter uh, right now because I am launching this the day that it comes out. Uh, also, real fast, um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at IronSparkCyrus. Uh, Iron Spark S Y R I S. It's a very unwieldy at, but it's mine and I like it. Um, and you can find the Kickstarter at tinyurl.com forward slash ascendancy Kickstarter. Because I actually messed up the uh, <laughs> I messed up the uh, URL for the Kickstarter, so I'm using the tiny URL for everything. Uh, as well as if you want to support us, we are on Patreon, Ko-Fi, Coffee, however you say it. Uh, we have our website RPGHour.com, uh, or you can find us on Twitter or yes. Facebook. Uh, it is Mr. RPG Hour on Twitter, and it is Mrs. RPG Hour and Jonathan Andrews on Facebook. Uh, so depending on where you really like to do things and you're like, hey, there's like nothing on here or hey, there's too much on here, uh, that's who you know to blame. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.